This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And welcome to a very special Monday edition of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. We are coming to you on a Monday night as opposed to a Tuesday night. This is a very special trade deadline edition of the Short Shifts podcast. And joining me... Oh, what is this? But... By God, that's that's Lewis's music. I'm Zeke the Freak, King of the Deke, and I've got a message for you, Brian Com, and the millions of short shifts listeners around the world. This Sunday night in the steel cage of our head-to-head cuckupful match in front of our twelve other league mates, I'm gonna deliver a thrashing the likes of which the cuckupful has never seen. My success has gone straight to my head, man. And whether you like it or not, you'll pay the price for taking me on in the make-or-break week. Again and again, I'll poster knock you down until you pray to D'Angelo's for mercy. And when I finally rip that fantasy hockey robot belt from around your waist, you'll be relegated so hard that the Carlson your new division is named for hasn't even been born yet. Uh, oh, uh, hey, hey, Lewis, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Ben, I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I brought in a little bit of that secret sauce here tonight, I see. <laughs> well, you know, it's a special week taking on the one and only Brian Com here to wrap up the cuckupful season. So uh, I just want to make sure he knows that I see him. A little uh, inter-keeping Carlson podcast host rivalry is always good. Lewis, as I mentioned in the intro before I was rudely interrupted by this man, Zeke the Zeke the Freak, we are coming to the listeners a day early for a fantasy hockey trade deadline recap. Uh, there's a lot to get to tonight, so let's jump right into it. I think the Rangers somehow came out of the trade deadline as one of the biggest headlines, despite the fact that they didn't even trade the guy who everybody assumed was the number one guy on the trade list. Chris Kreider re-upped with the Rangers. He's going to stick around in Manhattan for another seven years, which I think, you know, all there is to say about that is he's going to maintain the fantasy value he's had for you in bangers leagues. He's going to continue to be a stud. What was more disappointing, though, of course, was to learn of a very devastating car accident that's going to put a couple of very fantasy-relevant players on the shelf for a little while. Yeah, really tough news. Uh, obviously, as you reminded me when I immediately started complaining about my fantasy team, first and foremost, we hope that uh, Igor Shesterkin and Pavel Buchnevich are all right from their car accident. Fortunately, both were wearing their seatbelts. Uh, but it sounds like Shesterkin has a non-displaced rib fracture. 
Uh, he's going to be reevaluated in a couple weeks here and could be back in three to four, but uh, it's a little bit dicey right now. Uh, Buchnevich is shaken up in his day to day as a result of the accident. Bit of a bummer for that second line in New York. Buchnevich has been working so well with Zabanajad and Kreider as the third piece on that line that if he misses time, you know, it's it's inevitably going to affect that line just a bit. Uh, but definitely a bummer for Shostyurkin, who was working on one of the most impressive rookie seasons that we've seen for a goaltender this side of Jordan Bennington. Yeah, absolutely. It was a thrilling ride, and hopefully uh, he can get right and make it back to help the Rangers a little bit later on in their season. The big question here is who becomes relevant as a result of Shostyurkin's injury? My Rangers suddenly not so terrible the past couple months since the calendar turned over to 2020. I have a feeling that Alexander Georgiev is about to see a spike in ownership. Would you be adding him? Yeah, I think Yurgiev is a really interesting potential add. We're going to be talking about a number of goalies who have changed in their situation since the trade deadline started, whether it was from injury, like for Yurgiev, or obviously the result of some trades that we've seen. So uh, definitely interesting. We'll see where he ranks among the other potential goalie options a little bit later on in the show. The one thing I did want to talk about while we were in the Rangers section before we get into the goaltenders later on, you know, we had a question earlier on Twitter. Are we sure that it's going to be Georgiev to start off? As someone who's been following the Rangers fairly closely, though, it would not surprise me even the slightest bit to see Henrik Lundqvist rattle off like a vintage sample of like eight or nine games behind what's suddenly been a pretty decent New York Rangers team. I could see Hank winning this net, but for now, just with Georgiev playing first, he gets the first crack at it. If he falters, then Lundqvist immediately becomes somewhat interesting as well. Yeah, and I saw some Twitter rumblings that it, uh, Lundqvist is going to have a conversation with the the powers that be in the Rangers organization and not too long and sort of figure out how he fits into their future plans. But, you know, obviously Lundqvist increases in value not being, you know, a part B of this three-headed monster, um, but may still be kind of a, a B or a 1B to Georgia for the time being. Yes, but I honestly think that this could be a very fluid situation, and one bad game from Georgiev immediately makes Lundqvist a lot more tangible as an ad. Yeah, it kind of becomes one of those danger-danger, you know, goalie battles like a Jari Murray sort of situation, which is not super fun for fantasy owners. It was nice when uh, Shostyurkin was just eating up all the starts, including even a back-to-back um, but obviously, you know, when I was joking about it'll be time for one of these goalies to get in once we find out if uh, Shostorkin is mortal, I was not talking about in a very uh, existential sense. Let's hop over to another team in the Metro in Carolina, who I think maybe you could call the big winners of the of the trade deadline today. They added a number of strong pieces to their cup contending team. The big name that they added, of course, Vincent Trocek comes over from Florida in exchange for Eric Howla, Lucas Walmark, and two prospects. Trocek right now pacing for 54 points in Florida on line two, power play two. Does his value immediately shoot up for you, Lewis, or is this what we should expect moving forward? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, 
consider what we saw in his really great 74-point season. Uh, he had access to some top-line time. He had access to some power play time. Uh, he really has been boxed out of the good deployment so far this season. Uh, the general conventional wisdom, I think, around trades is that it's kind of a bummer for guys who are on losing teams, but we're getting tons of minutes on that top line. And it's you know it can be an upgrade for folks who are more depth guys who might get to see an elevated role on a new team. Uh, so I think seeing Trocek head to Carolina with the opportunity to get some of that prime deployment, hopefully sort of recapturing some of that superstar quality that he had in 2017, 2018, uh, with access to that improved deployment. Not to be like super pedantic here, but of course, when we talk about top line deployment, Vincent Trocek has always been a second line center, but he was just playing so many minutes for that Florida team a few years ago, in addition to, like you said, top power play minutes. So that's the hope here. I'm actually, I'm not going to come out as bullish as you here. And the reason for that is I think what we've seen from Trocek the past few years provides us a nice, safe floor. But what we could see is what we haven't seen over the past two years. And that's somebody who gets, you know, 18 or 19 minutes a night, somebody who's getting access to a good top power play. Before we see actual deployment, we need to talk about what is possible. And with Trocek, it seems very likely that he continues on a 55 to 60 point pace, but he now has so much higher of a ceiling because he appears to be on a team that could definitely use him in that top power play spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I would would rather be probably on Florida's top power play than I would on Carolina's, but uh, you know, having access to it at all, I think, is the big step up for Trocheck, uh, and great for I mean, great for Carolina if we're talking about real hockey here. Um, that's really outstanding. This is, you know, you, you are usually winning the trade if you're getting the best player out of it. You have to kind of wonder what Florida is doing. I think Toronto must be, you know, uh, letting out a sigh of relief here as it looks like Florida is kind of giving up on pursuing the possibility of stealing that wildcard spot. Well, the report out today said that the, the Panthers were told to shed $10 million in salary. I'm sure that's a great idea for the owners who would love them to be competitive, but also be the cheapest team in the league. The two sides don't really reconcile here for me. Um, of course, going back to Florida, not a ton of fantasy relevant names. Eric Halla is the one that stands out. Do you think he's relevant in Florida rest of the year? I mean, I think he can probably continue to do what he's been able to do in Carolina. He had that nice hot run at the start of the year when he was on what had to be the most appealing third line in hockey. So, you know, he might have the chance to to get into his new environs and take advantage, and maybe he'll be given a few opportunities that he hasn't been able to get uh, since that sort of cooling off from that start. Uh, I'm not super excited about Hala. Uh, as as a Florida Panther, but, you know, certainly a guy to sort of keep an eye on here. I actually think that this is a downgrade for Howla just because of what we saw deployment-wise for him in the first quarter. He had access to that top power play in Carolina, and then with Justin Williams coming back and Eric Howla returning from some injuries, he really hasn't had that opportunity the past 20 games or so. So I actually think that, you know, this 40-point pace or right around there, 35 to 45 points, I think that that's what we continue to see from Eric Howla, and I don't think that the Florida Panthers are adding him you know, with thoughts of him becoming an integral part of their team. I think this is very much just a situation where they're dumping cap in the future. And Eric Howla on an expiring deal is probably not a big part of their future plans. 
Sure, sure. Sticking with Carolina, we had a couple of injuries. These are not trade-related, but we thought maybe we would see a trade after Petr Mrazek and James Reimer both went out over the weekend. Reimer is out long-term while Mrazek is in the concussion protocol, though I read a strange tweet today saying he's not being treated for a concussion, and they don't believe he has a concussion, but he is in the concussion protocol and dealing with a neck injury. I'm not going to try and parse what all of that means. What I am curious about, with Alex Nedeljkovic and Anton Forsberg called up, do we have any interest in either of those goalies? Okay, so a few things to break down here. First off, I am impressed that you managed to mention the two Carolina goalies going out without talking briefly about uh, David Ayers, who put on quite the impressive showing. Uh, eight out of ten stops is is not bad for the old Zamboni driver. We won't stick with him too long because we've got a lot to cover. Um, and then, of course, we get to have a nice encounter with the NHL's extremely transparent concussion protocol. Uh, which obviously is coming at us uh, with all kinds of odd information. As far as Alex Nedeljkovic, um, I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see how he's able to play. I do think he probably has the advantage over Anton Forsberg just um, from the standpoint of maybe being a little bit more of a part of the future. And of course, he was kind of the first one in line ahead of Forsberg. That being said, um, you know, I think we're going to talk about a number of goalie options that I would find more appealing. Uh, I would say when you're down to your third stringer, your third stringer is your third stringer for a reason. And it's not like Mrazek and Reimer have been burning up the league with their performances so far. Yes. As I mentioned, the biggest surprise when it comes to the Carolina Hurricanes was that they didn't add another goaltender here ahead of the trade deadline. There was news that Mrazek's injury maybe isn't as serious as expected. So if he's back within a week, then I think that you're more or less not even thinking about this. But if you're stuck in the short term and you desperately need a start, I would keep my eye on left wing lock. I think Nadelkovic, as you mentioned, probably gets the first shot there in Carolina, but it will be interesting to see. We will talk about a few more goalie options in a second, but first... So Ben, as, as our podcast resident American, uh, if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? I mean, I'm guessing since you're asking me the question, it's, you know, fairly high. I guess I'll, I'll guess 10 days. Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you don't want to wait 29 days. You want treatment ASAP. Oh, so that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or your computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if that doctor decides that there's treatment that's going to help you out, uh, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping in discreet packaging. Uh, you also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. And there's no commitment, so with Roman, you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Carlson for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Carlson for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Folks, we really appreciate your support of the Short Shifts podcast, and we hope that you'll check out our sponsors as well. 
All right, Lewis, we are now hopping from Carolina over to Vancouver, where we had another goaltender injury. This is, again, not as exciting of a trade-breaking, although the Vancouver Canucks have added Louis Demang as their backup. But Jacob Markstrom suffered an injury against the Bruins this week. He's now out three to four weeks, and I have to ask, is Thatcher Demko now a must-own in Vancouver? So this was really interesting how this all played out, just because that deal for Louis Domingue kind of is what alerted the hockey internet to the fact that Markstrom must be dealing with something. So I thought seeing that all play out in real time was pretty fascinating. Uh, I think it absolutely puts Demko in a very prime position here, uh, at least in the short term. And it's getting to be crunch time in fantasy hockey, trying to secure a spot in the playoffs. Or, you know, by the time Markstrom returns, you may be in the thick of your playoffs. Uh, so I do think Demko makes for a very appealing option. Obviously, the Canucks uh, have some confidence in him that, you know, he's been a guy that they've been wanting to to get games at the NHL level for quite a while. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that he is as close to must own as I think a goalie can be in fantasy hockey, keeping in mind that any goalie is capable of turning in a horrible performance and ruining your week. Um, but, you know, I think Demko makes for a pretty safe bet. He's on a quality team that's recently got an infusion of talent. I'm into it. Here's my question, though, about that to Demko and I guess the Vancouver Canucks at large. Are the Vancouver Canucks actually decent, or has Jacob Markstrom just been keeping them afloat? Because that's kind of the vibe I've been getting from watching Jacob Markstrom this year, is that he's been fantastic on a team that's otherwise relatively, you know, meh. And I'm not 100% sure that Thatcher Demko is strong enough to keep the team afloat while he's out. So I think he is uh, appealing. You know, I'm thinking about him primarily in terms of Kakupful. You may have noticed that it's on my mind. Um, and goalies who face a lot of shots, I think, can be quite appealing. Uh, it's one of the things that was so great about Shostyorkin before he went out. Uh, and this could be a case where... Um, you know, a Demko is going to be facing enough shots that, and especially, you know, in the Pacific, you have a fair number of teams that shoot a ton without being particularly dangerous, uh, where I think that he could stand to, to, to be quality. If you're in a league where you're trying to score rate stats, I might be a little more hesitant. Uh, if you get credit for saves and you get credit for wins, I think it's nice to have a goalie for a team in the Pacific Division. And it seems like they're going to probably play him as much as they can over the next three to four weeks. So if you're in a league where starts are valuable, obviously this is a guy that I think should be near the top of your list. Yeah, it's all fair points. It really is just a question of can I trust any goaltender? And I truly don't know. With that being said, let's jump to another team with a supposed to be very bad this year, but who has had two goaltenders absolutely carry the load. Elvis Merzlikens suddenly mid-record, Lewis, went down injured, and Jonas Corposalo, who had just come back into the lineup, was was backing up for Columbus today against Ottawa, hopped in. He ended up getting the win uh, for Columbus. So, with Merzlikens down, Markstrom down, Reimer down, Shostyorkin down, I have to ask, who would you most like to own between Demko, Korpisalo, Georgiev, and Alex Nedeljkovic? All right, so um, I am going to put the most recently mentioned goalie on top because we've talked about Corpusalo. He was having a great season when he got injured. Uh, Elvis was able to perform admirably in his absence, but I think a lot of people were, you know, in the stage where they were thinking, okay, time to drop Merzlikens because he's been struggling. And with Corpusalo on the way back, it seems clear that he's going to be in line to take over. And obviously, with the injury, that 
process was accelerated. I do have some concerns about the Blue Jackets. They're dealing with a ton of injuries, um, you know, and it, it doesn't look great there. But I would put Corpusalo on top just because compared to the others, I think we have a stronger track record. We've seen him do it and be very successful this very season. So we're not banking on him recapturing some old magic or something like that. In second place, I'm going to have Demko, uh, just because he is pretty highly touted. He's got good pedigree, uh, and we've seen him play a fair amount this season. Uh, third, I'll put Georgiev. Uh, also has had a lot of success this season, but may potentially be involved in a goalie battle. And finally, Alex Nedeljkovic down at the bottom, because he, out of all of them, is by far the biggest unknown, uh, and that makes me nervous. So I actually... I. Mostly completely agree with you, especially when it comes to the Corpusalo stuff. I think he's the clear number one. The question for me is who's number two, and I think that I agree that it's Demko, but it's really close. Like, Alex Georgiev has shown that he's a pretty decent player. The New York Rangers have been a relatively decent team. I honestly, and as I mentioned, I'm a skeptic of the Vancouver Canucks, so I'm not sure how good they are without Jacob Markstrom. However, I will lean Demko just because you don't have that uncertainty of a, of a proven track record goaltender like Lundqvist behind you, somebody who we've seen, you know, for years rattle off these amazing stretches. So even if he's mostly done, I think that it's not at all beyond the realm of possibility that Lundqvist goes on a hot streak. I, I think that he's more likely to do so than Louis Domingue, but I think I trust Demko enough to put him number two here. And if he becomes a workhorse on the Canucks, just like Markstrom, we already know how high that upside is. So yes, I will agree with you. Um, yeah, I will add one other name to this list, though, as Robin Lehner traded today to the Vegas Golden Knights. Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't quite lived up to the very high expectations that we have for him. Robin Lehner joins the team, though. It doesn't seem likely to take over as a workhorse or anything, but I do see him potentially carving out a spot as a 1A slash B. Where do you see Robin Lehner filling in, or or how many games do you think he could really start here? I mean, this sort of seems like he is going to become a super serum version of himself, right? Like, he was a very appealing start in the games that he got in Chicago, and he would go off on a run from time to time, uh, and, you know, he he would put up some, usually some very nice stats in that time. He had been losing a little bit of his starting prowess just because we were seeing Corey Crawford put together some quality action uh, when he was getting his starts recently. So I think that Leonard basically is moving to a better team to play somewhere between 40 and 60% of the starts uh, and hopefully to be quality enough that he can help vault Vegas towards the playoffs, you know, ultimately their goal here. Um, and I think he makes for a very appealing start in a very different way than someone like Corpusalo or Demko. We know that those two are going to be leaned on heavily, uh, as you said, in kind of workhorse fashion. If you already have a couple goalies who are getting the vast majority of their starts, you know, you've got a Carey Price, for instance, uh, and, you know, maybe a Connor Hellebuck then I think Leonard makes a really great choice as a potential third goalie. Um, my situation is I do have Price, but I was relying on Shostorkin for my backup. And with him out, I've only got one goalie. So I think I would lean towards uh, someone who's going to get a few more starts. 
You mentioned the 40 to 60% split. And I think that that's a huge question, but I also think it's one that, you know, it's not, it sounds small, but it's really not, right? Like if he's getting 60% of the starts, then he's insanely valuable. If he's getting 40%, then he's kind of a, he's kind of a streamer level. If you had to guess, is it going to be closer to 40% or 60%? I mean, okay. So obviously I am, I'm going to stick my finger in the wind here. You know, I'm looking at a Vegas team that has a brand new coach that doesn't necessarily have the old loyalties to players. You know, I think there's a lot of strong institution, you know, the institutional memory is not deep, but I think it's very strong for, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, but with the new coach in, I think we see some of that loyalty sort of fade away. We've certainly seen some things happen a little differently in Vegas since Gallant has been gone. Um, and for that reason, if I had to guess, I'm going to say Robin Lehner is closer to the 60 end of those starts than the 40% end. Are you thinking that, you know, regardless of performance, it sort of works out that way? Are you thinking that he plays his way into this? Or no, I'm, I'm thinking that he... I think that Lanner is going to be more successful than uh, we've seen Flurry be lately. And with the relief of having a backup goalie who can stop a puck, I think that's going to morph into having a, you know, 1A goalie who can win a bunch of games and help Vegas get into the playoffs. Okay. I actually, I think that it'll be closer to the 40% of things, but mainly because I think teams are averse to making changes. And I, I think that they brought him in as a backup here, a bit of a ringer as their backup, as opposed to needing to lean on Malcolm Subban. Um, as far as Laner goes on this list, would you take him above Georgiev? Would you take him above Demko? I would not take him above Demko because I'm sure that Demko is going to be getting tons of starts lately. Uh, I might take him ahead of Georgiev, not personally in my situation, but if I had two functional goalies, I think I would much rather have Robin Lehner as my third where I could kind of pick and choose when to get him in or rather not necessarily suffer the consequences of him missing a start. Georgiev right now is more the 1A than Lundqvist and MAF maybe is more the 1A than Lehner, as you say, but I, I think that Lehner is going to put up the better numbers. Um, and I, I am thinking that he might be able to steal some starts because I think this is a team that's trying to win as many games as it can, and it's going to go with the hot hand. Uh, we're going to see a lot of motivation from Laner, I think. So you would take Georgiev above Laner, though? Only because I have one functional goalie right now. So here's it's, my, it's my sort of personal setup right now. So I know we said that Georgiev is the most likely to lead the Rangers because he has that start announced for the next game. But like, would it be that shocking if David Quinn was like, we're going to go back and forth until we have somebody who runs this crease? Like, they really haven't said Georgiev is getting the majority of the starts while Shostyrkin's out, even though they've already announced him as their next game starter. So I'm not 100% sure about Georgiev dominating the starts moving forward. So for that reason, I would put Lehner above Georgiev, uh, but definitely below Demko. Of course, as a reaction to the the Lehner move, we have Corey Crawford with now suddenly a clear crease in Chicago. I'm not trying to do this uh, alliteration game, but where would you slot Crawford among these five if he's still on your waiver wire? So give me Crawford about even with Demko. I guess what worries me is Crawford plays in a more challenging division than Demko does, which maybe gives him a slight edge. Um, but you know, look at your own, look at your own schedule in the weeks coming up here. Check out how your playoffs is going, that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing I would consider is, you know, Demko has three to four weeks, right? So that may get him, 
you know, that may give Demko quality starting time up until your playoffs start. And then suddenly you're going to have a backup goalie uh, that's not doing anything for you. So that's something to consider also, you know, think about when your playoffs start and how many games he's going to be able to get in there. Uh, that, that might be the thing to consider if, if that's the case for you, then I think uh, Crawford, you know, is going to be the choice. And a great way to check that playoff schedule and how it's going to shake out for you is to head to keepincarlson.com slash tools, make a copy of that spreadsheet. You can put in the exact number of goaltenders in your roster and which teams they play for, and they'll tell you which team can help you maximize your number of goalie starts. Enough goaltender talk, Lewis. Let's move on to the Edmonton Oilers, who... I think maybe won the trade deadline as far as just getting cheap assets go. They add Andreas Athanasiu for a couple of seconds. They get Mike Green for a conditional fourth. And then they also add Tyler Ennis. I think they did a really good job of shaping out that forward roster where before what they really struggled with was having way too many fourth liners. How do you think that these additions affect the top six? I know a lot of people are saying Athanasiu on that top line with McDavid. And there's also some conversation about whether either Athanasiu or Green see top power play time. Do you think that's going to happen? So this is an interesting one because I think Athanasiu and Mike Green uh, both sort of contribute very different sorts of value to your fantasy team. Let's start with Athanasiu. I think there is a lot of excitement because people are thinking now we've got a guy who can actually keep up with McDavid on the wing. We've joked that the wings in... You know, the Wings in Edmonton have been a disaster for so long. You know, who do we get to kind of play with with McDavid? And we have had, you know, being able to move Dreisaitl out to the wing and having Yamamoto emerge has helped alleviate that a little bit. Um, but still, you've got McDavid basically dragging a whole line along by himself. So it'll be nice to have Athanasio on there with his straight line speed. He he definitely seems appealing as a potential winger, but we've been down this road before, right? We've had the the Ty Ratty experience. Uh, we've had the we've we've had we've enjoyed Zach Cassian's time uh, up next to McDavid, who's had a little more success than Ratty ever did. But you know we've been burned by this before. I think it'll be great for him if he can get some time up there. But I don't see him cracking that power play. I definitely see him as a top six guy. And with that second line sort of locked up, I think the idea here is to bring him up to play with McDavid. As far as Mike Green goes, you know, he's been pretty much an offensive liability for the most part this year. Although, as you pointed out, his power play numbers have been okay. Um, I, at, when I first heard the trade, I thought, no way does this happen. I don't see him displacing Nurse up there. Um, but in talking with a, a variety of folks throughout the day, especially the Keeping Carlson team, I'm a little more convinced that he might at least get a shot up there. Uh, you know, yes, we have four power play points in 47 games for Mike Green, but the Red Wings power play has 34 total goals and the gap between them and the next lowest team is like multiple standard deviations away. So, uh, maybe it really is that the Red Wings are just so terrible that they can't, uh, you know, that Mike Green was, was doomed if he was on second power play to ever really do anything. And he's going to have a much more talented team in front of him. So I like Athanasio at even strength. I think he's quite appealing. Um, Mike Green, I like basically only on the power play. So you'll be counting on, you know, people to be hooking and grabbing at McDavid as he goes by if you want Mike Green to pay off with any value for you in Edmonton. 
to clarify something you said, as far as Mike Green's power play numbers go, so you're referring, of course, to a conversation that we had on the Keeping Carlson patron-only Facebook page today, conversation about Mike Green and his power play prowess. In Detroit, he has not put up great numbers, but what was interesting is that his expected goals for percentage was fairly decent. So it stands to reason, based on that, that potentially he could be a play driver on the power play, which would make him interesting there. You know, with Oscar Clefbaum out for another week or two, having Darnell Nurse in that top power play position doesn't appear to be the preferred option for the for the Edmonton Oilers, so it wouldn't shock me at all to to see Mike Green on that top power play unit. I think it really is just depends on what Dave Tippett thinks and what Dave Tippett wants. So we are going to have to see if he ends up on that top power play unit. I don't see why he's not worth a stream. He does decent block numbers and he could put up a respectable, I don't know, 40, 45 point pace while he's up there. I don't think he's going to light the league on fire. You mentioned Ty Ratty. You mentioned Zach Cashin. Neither of those guys are going to score 30 goals in the NHL, but that's what Andreas Athanasiou you did last year on a similarly terrible Detroit team. So I think that the upside here is quite different from what we've seen with those nobodies next to Connor McDavid in the past. So I am interested to see what Athanasiu can do at even strength, but I agree. It doesn't really seem like he's destined for that top power play just because of how committed the Oilers seem to Alex Chieson. We saw them pull uh, Yamamoto off of the top unit when McDavid came back, despite his success there, just to keep Alex Chieson on the top power play unit. Like, I don't know why they're so... Well, I don't know why they're trying to make Alex Chiasan work, but whatever, that's where they're at. And so I will, uh, I'll, I'll try and read the tea leaves here and just, I don't think that Athanasio gets there like you do. But if he does, I think he instantly becomes a, you know, a possibility of a 65 to 70 point player rest of the season. Yeah, I think Athanasiu, if he makes the power play, is a no-brainer ad. And I do think there are some falling stars that are kind of, uh, in, in one of my non-cacupful leagues, I, uh, added Athanasio speculatively and tossed David Perron, who's been on a bit of a slump and has been in a bad position where, you know, without his highly skilled center, uh, he hasn't been really able to produce much. So I want to take a guy who just got added on with a highly skilled center. So that's around kind of the level of guy that I think I'm also quite confident that I can get Perron back. If I was in a, a deeper league where I thought that Perron was for sure to get snapped up, I might be more hesitant to take the move. But definitely, if you have a Zach Sanford still kicking around, that's the kind of guy who I think you should jettison right away to get yourself an Athanasiu. We will hop further south in Alberta to Calgary, where Eric Gustafson has been traded to the Flames. Does he become an interesting power play one low-key option there after Hannafin got bumped and we still haven't seen Giordano return? And in his absence in Chicago, Duncan Keith now on a top power play, and he's got a little bit of a point streak going. What do we think for both Gustafson and Keith over the next few games? Yeah, I think Gustafson certainly is is an enticing option potentially in Calgary. It seems clear that they weren't satisfied with how Hannafin was performing because they had Rasmus Anderson filling in for him. Uh, Giordano is coming back at some point before too much longer. We were at the point where we're starting to get updates about how Giordano is not playing in a given upcoming game, which means that the one where he is coming is can't be too much further off. So this is all pretty temporary, I think, uh, most likely, unless Gustafson just really blows the doors off. But um, I can certainly see, you know, I think the battle has been resolved between Anderson and Hannafin for the time being. So it seems like 
uh, Anderson versus Gustafson may be the potential battle here. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Gustafson is able to come out on top at least until Giordano returns. So certainly interesting as a streamer and a streamer, the kind of streamer that you might hold on to for, for a little while longer. Uh, in terms of Duncan Keith, I did bid on him to try and get him today. Uh, instead, he went to my opponent, Brian Com. You know, he's been, he's got four points in the last three games. So, you know, it's nice to see him being successful, but we have seen him eat up power play one time and not really do a whole lot with it. So I wouldn't expect him to be much more than a 40, 45 point guy, even as he's on that top power play. I actually do not think that Rasmus Anderson is at all a, an opponent for Eric Gustafson. I don't see why they make the move if they think that Eric Gustafson plays behind Rasmus Anderson on the power play. Uh, so I think that as long as Giordano is out, this is Eric Gustafson's power play, which means that he becomes a really intriguing short-term own. Um, as far as Duncan Keith goes, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he's a must-own, but I think there are a lot of leagues where teams could find an upgrade by adding a power play one defenseman with the Hawks. As long as he's productive, I could see him also struggling, though. And the other thing is, Boquist is in Chicago already. He's had some run up there. I could see them being relatively uh, relatively quick on the trigger finger to switch Keith out if he sees an extended drought on that top power play unit. Yeah, this whole situation seems quite unstable on both blue lines, so I would keep tuning in to... Short shifts and keeping Carlson and uh, keep an eye on at average time on I- uh, AVG time on ice and at keeping Carlson. Uh, we'll be trying to keep these updated. And finally, we are back in New York where we'll talk about the New York Islanders adding Jean-Gabriel Peugeot in exchange for conditional first, second, and third picks. Of course, that third pick only exists if the Isles win the cup this year, so we can basically ignore that third. It's for a first and a second. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, a sneaky good fantasy own this year. Can he maintain his 30-plus goal, 50-plus point pace in Long Island? Oh, so this is one that I do not like, and I think that uh, I'm going to be a wet blanket here. You're looking at a guy who was riding a bunch of really unsustainable numbers in Ottawa, who's now going to have a reduced role and just signed a big six-year extension. Uh, it seems to me, you know, great for Peugeot, good job, get paid. Um, but my worry is that, uh, I think they, they, they overpaid, I believe, uh, you know, with this extension in mind, I'm sure they weren't going to pay that much for someone that they weren't going to be able to, to sign for an extension. But I just feel like he's not going to be able to keep up what he's been able to do. It's really been kind of a, um, not quite a TJ Oshie-esque season, but a big season, obviously, where he's been able to ride some numbers that I don't think he's going to be able to maintain. Yeah, he's he's on some ridiculous numbers. The one thing I will say, and this trade didn't end up happening, but Zach Parisi was was rumored to be heading to the Islanders, and I kind of thought at the time maybe they're going to string together a fairly decent second line in Long Island. Of course, that didn't come through, and now we're kind of looking at Pajot playing with that ramshackle wing group. So I'm with you. I think that Pajot is more likely a 40 to 45-point guy moving forward as opposed to the 55-point pace that he had been on. And uh, so it goes. That's what you get for paying for somebody riding a crazy high shooting percentage. Hey, before we go... Uh, which conditional pick do you think is less likely to pay off? The one where the Islanders win the Stanley Cup or the one where the Sabres make the playoff? Which one is less likely? That's correct. Or more likely. Uh, I think they're, you want. 
One one answers th- the other. I think they're both sub five percent likelihood. So it's like not. I don't think there's a statist- a strong statistical difference between the two. I will say it's less likely that the Sabers make the playoffs, though. That's what I would have said too. Yeah. All right, Lewis. Get us out of here. It's been a long show. We'll be back on Thursday with our regular scheduled programming. For myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing out. See you later. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please consider joining our patron group at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. We had our uh, private Facebook group was just burning up all day with all kinds of fantasy chatter on this most exciting of days. So give yourself an opportunity. Join up with us even just for the last few weeks here before the playoffs start. Secure your playoff spot. Make sure that you're going to be in the best possible position to win your championship. Those championships are forever. You can find five bucks in the, in the, you know, couch cushions or under the seat in the car. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much uh, for Twitter, mostly, for helping us out with today's episode. Uh, And we will see you on our regularly scheduled Friday morning pod. Until then, play smart and keep your shifts short.